<laughs> I was just like, did he look like that in season one? And then I went back to like watch like same. I just watched the I end, and I was like, no no, wait, this is not the same man. How can Something you make a white man look completely different? They all kind of look the same, <laughs> but he he really looks a full three sixty. I was like, what? to Starring Cupid, the romantic podcast where I romantically talk about the romantic affairs of our favorite romantic couples in romantic movies and romantic TV shows. I am your romantic host, Zoma.x, nothing more, nothing less, from the east, not the west, spot of tea, your highness, and welcome to the season five finale, my posh lovely lovers it is good to be here it is great to be here um it's good to be done it's great to be done i feel like this is a full circle moment for me um when the season started i on a personal note i was in a season of my life where i was unsure if it was all gonna end well if it was all even going to end but you know things things got worse things happened things changed a, lo- a lover was anxious and terrified you know the hurdles came and went and they just invited more behind them there were nights where i pondered to myself does this shit even matter anymore but despite it all every hitch and hinder i have made it here we have made it here sorry to get very philosophical and personal in the morning but you know when you subscribe to this pod you kind of subscribe to a two minute update on my life on every episode so that's it but you know we're pushing we're moving all good and bad things come to an end and now that all the bad is over i must contest with the good this lovely show that we have for you today and i couldn't think of a better send-off for the season than the subjects of this week's episode my gentle readers listeners and lovers today we tackle a couple that have been the talk of the ton and the internet for months on end today we are looking at Miss Kate Sharma and Lord Anthony Bridgerton from the Shondaland hit that is Bridgerton. If you haven't heard of this show, um, t- first of all, tell Patrick Starr that I said hello. Uh, this show has been quite topical since its season premiere way back in December 2020. And, you know, it's, I think it's hard to blow up in December, especially, like, for South Africans, because, like, that's the only month of the year where you cannot reach us. You, you cannot recommend things to us because we are busy. But I didn't even get the chance to ignore it until I got back to school. Twitter literally 
blew up it like imagine mushroom cloud blew up i only knew reje jean page from roots because i was the only thing i'd seen him in at that time and then all of a sudden first of all he was british but all of a sudden he was the duke of hastings and he was making the entire world very very thirsty rightfully so you know beautiful man lovely to look at and i really did enjoy the first season for everything beyond him you know i love a good period drama with julie andrews narrating it just it never was enough for me to cover daphne and simon on the show no hate to them of course none at all like i said i love little bits i just i just didn't have anything to say or like add to the to the topic at hand so i was just like i'm gonna i'm gonna let this one skip me then they announced season two and how it'd be focused on daphne's older brother anthony and i thought okay cool you know again no hate just cool anthony he he felt like a solid side character to me and i had no idea what they were going to do with him but i was open to the challenge you know also i think i was way more focused on the shit that was happening with penelope at the end of season one i was like whoa but had to refocus and then they announced the actress playing anthony's love interest and they had my attention i'm not gonna lie i was intrigued then the show itself aired and just like before the internet was swept up in bridgerton fever and i didn't want to repeat my previous mistakes so i think i watched it maybe two weeks after it aired and let me tell you something lovers i binged that whole thing i i watched it so quickly i don't binge watch often i i don't like to binge watch but i think i i, I finished that whole season in a matter of three days two days i don't know i don't even remember i just i remember i gobbled it up and every time an episode ended i was like no i have to know what happens next i can't i can't be left hanging like this and that's the effect that kate and anthony had on me they, they had me hooked which is weird because i feel like their dynamic isn't really new it's not really innovative but you know it's part of the genre we have a lot of haters to lovers couples you know in the romantic spectrum we've covered most of my favorite ones on this show already but there was something very different about these two something something hmm i was like something passionate and romantic is happening here and i could not let the season end without talking about them unfortunately as you can judge from my speech i do not trust myself to keep my composure with these two i i feel like i am so biased i'm willing to ignore many of their crimes so to ensure we keep the morality compass straight on this show as we always strive to do i've invited a very special guest to help me out today lovers we have the lovely super fan girl and friend of mine that is my girl jewie we 
have been made since like high school and i think it's 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 a bold declaration i think jury was like one of the pioneers of standing like she loves many 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 things if we had physical fandom membership cards i feel like jury's wallet would be like thick she she really loves many many things and we find a common ground over the mcu you know and how they break our hearts all the time and you i'll probably have her on the show again once i figure out if sylvie and loki are actually committing incest or not but i invited jui because you know we were both just blown away by this couple obsessed with this couple i think i think her current twitter handle is miss kate sharma so you know the love is real the love is authentic so i'm very happy to have her expertise here with me today yeah i just i really wanted to end on a good note and i wanted to talk about this just very passionate pair and how they made me so happy while i was watching the show i never ever thought that anthony was a bad person but it did always make me sad how he had to just let go of what was to him the love of his life because of silly societal rules and all that jazz and you know it can be hard to make peace with that fact to to make peace with that let it go so it's nice that he got kate who is amazing to say the least perfectly suited for him almost made for him if you think about it like and how lovely for her too like she gets that same thing back she came into this town not really expecting much for herself only to be that deep in a relationship that puts her first <sighs> love that but before i spoil my own episode um let's get into the production details of this show then we'll head straight to chatting about miss sharma and the viscount this series was created and written by Chris Van Dansen, Dassen, sorry, in 2020. Dassen is behind lovely projects such as Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and Seattle Grace. You'll notice how some of these are Shondaland Productions, which I felt was worth noting because Miss Shonda Rhimes herself is the executive producer of the show and her production company produces it but still i love her first of all need to get that out of the bat i think she's writing royalty in my eyes i have only watched scandal and how to get away with murder oh yeah she also wrote princess diaries too by the way for anyone listening and yeah those i feel like those two shows they were enough for me to hear the like Shondaland style of television writing I think they are wonderful like case studies to to learn from to to gain expertise from because Rhymes she she understands passion you know not just shallow level romantic passion but that like deep yearning stuff like 
that stuff that makes it difficult to sleep at night. And Shonda characters, they always seem absolutely hungry for the love of their lives. I, Lord Bridgerton and President Fitzgerald Grant III, they're cut from the same thirsty cloth. Like, I could draw a line between those two. They're so similar in a lovely way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Dustin got to be the showrunner and lead the series to where it is now i think he's done a fantastic job and he's he's got the right people behind him this show is adapted from a series of books written by julia quinn uh needless to say i haven't read them i wanted to i remember i wanted to read it after the first season i just never got to it you know i consider myself a bookworm you know a bookworm that's trying <laughs> But I just feel like I could never, if I tried to like read them before this, I would never be able to finish them in time. Like life was just too wild for me. I have also heard lots of people complain about the things that they're changing or leaving out from the books. And I didn't want that pain. I know what it's like and I didn't want that for myself. Will I read the books one day? Yes, definitely. I love period drama smut work, you know, great genre. It's just, I'm not going to do it anytime soon. But when I do, this podcast will be the first to know. You literally, I'll tweet it. I wanted to shine a light on the costume designer. You guys already know that I appreciate era-appropriate costuming. I love it to bits. I feel like it warms my heart and it adds to the overall realism of what people are making. Costumes, guys, they're important. Give them Oscars and give them the time to accept those Oscars and give the speeches. Thank you. These outfits in this series, they are obviously like era appropriate, but they're also gorgeous. Like I love the dresses on here. I think I think what they do to your boobs with the dresses it looks very painful i don't think i could deal with that but besides that everyone looks great everyone looks lovely the sharma sisters arrive to town and they bring the fashion you know like in they have color variation they have material variation i think that first um ball that they go to Kate and Edwina are wearing like these these dresses with these crystals or is it gems I don't know kind of embedded in the in the material so it's popping and they they look like porcelain dolls I, I don't know they just they stole all the buzz from the rest of the town and I appreciate that my girls deserved to shine so big shout out to their costume designer for the season um Miss Sophie Canale wonderful wonderful work now i'd be remiss to talk about bridgerton and not mention the music in fact i think you guys would come for me and rightfully so classical covers of pop songs and modern music it's it's not a new sensation like if you if you're a person that watches westworld they do it often and they do it very well and it's 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 hard to stand out in this regard we had just never had 
these covers or these 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 things in this particular setting in this regency era ballroom dancing kind of setting that we get here like yes it makes sense for people to be dancing around a ballroom to a violent cover of bad guy oh also please if you get the chance please listen to their cover of bad guy when the beat switches with the violins absolute magic absolute musical splendor i must say that my favorite cover to date is when they do celeste strange in um um season one during the scene that shall not be named or the sequence really because they move from place to place while that song is is playing but yeah huge shout out to chris Bowers for this lovely lovely work i cannot wait to hear what covers we get in the future seasons on to our cast portraying the ravishing leading lady of this season we have the ravishing simone ashley as kathina sharma many of us know her from sex education but she's also been in projects such as sparrow detective pikachu broad church and the sister marvelous woman indeed marvelous 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 i love her to bits i've always wanted more for her character on sex ed and i thought i would have to wait for season three for that to happen and then this show happened out of the blue and i was so happy i knew in my heart that she had leading lady qualities and kate proves me right i, I just knew it again gorgeous woman gorgeous gorgeous i am always in awe of her face like she gorgeous woman by her side we have the ever so charming jonathan bailey as lord anthony bridgerton listen wonderful man he has also been in shows such as broad church and crashing and chewing gum um w1a and many many theater productions he's quite the thespian on this on the stage he's a wonderful actor on the screen and he's a beautiful man which is a perfect segue to ha have a bone to pick with the internet so i've known that bailey is gay since season one but not through him through his like promo interviews during the time that they're promoting um bridgerton i learned that fact and also how much he likes missy elliott kind of like the same day and the missy elliott part stuck with me much longer than the first part mostly because i was like same now but yeah like it 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 happened and then it didn't really matter to me fast forward to now this year when he was the main man on screen and many women on the internet were thirsting over him rightly so like i said beautiful man and you'd get people quote quoting the tweet and saying oh but he's gay okay <laughs> and now what you know what what now that you've told me this information that I, by the way, already knew. I just, I want the world to realize that your attraction to a person 
it's not always something to be sexualized you know some people are hot period they don't have to go further than that it, it, it doesn't matter if they could be attracted to me back I, I, that's not why i find them hot you know just i didn't like the kind of told you so vibe that i was getting from people that were doing that it almost feels homophobic but i won't call it that for now i'll just say it feels like y'all wanted to kill the vibe over a man getting his rightfully deserved compliments so stop that honorable mentions this cost is stacked to the brim so many people but i had to start with the lady of the hour nicola colan i'm so sorry as penny featherington was she moved me i, <laughs> I don't even i have writing heroes and i think lady wilson is maybe top tier writing heroes i don't even care if she was right or wrong in what she was doing anymore like i feel my, my brain has gone past that i just i can't get over finding out that she was lady whistledown they really had me fooled they had me fooled and i blame nicola's amazing acting it had because wow ps please go watch her on dairy girls she's an absolute joy lovely lovely actress lovely lady big fan of her work I'm just going to go through all our faves. Again, there's so many. We've got Phoebe Dineville, Adjo Ando, Ruth Gemmel, Claudia Jesse, Golda Rochevelle, Shelley Kahn, both the Lukes, Polly Walker, and my girl, Sharitha Chandran. Loved her. Oh, my Edwina Sharma. Absolutely adorable. From one little sister to another, I loved her. Her switch from being like this naive little sister, kind of lost in this world, to absolute fury in, was it episode six? Yes. It was Chef's Kiss. She did a wonderful job. I want her to thrive after this show. I, you hear me, Netflix? Like, I don't want this woman to ever go without work because she's wonderful. Anyway, plot. If you have not watched the show, I'd highly recommend it for like all the romantics that love a good old fashioned pining couple with ballroom scenes and the grandness and all like I think I think it's very much a constant throughout the seasons, the pining and the grandeur and the beauty of it all. So that will keep you very interested if you start the show. However, if you're a person that isn't comfortable with on-screen sexual intercourse, maybe skip this one, you know, maybe skip this one show. Or prepare to constantly close your eyes. <laughs> Season 1 is definitely more loaded <laughs> than Season 2, but I feel like it's a fair warning for everybody because I know, I understand I understand that some of us don't want that. Just just don't suggest this show as like the family show that y'all are going to watch. Unless your grand is into this type of stuff. Then push forth. Go on. I'm not going to stop you. 
if you have watched the show but you need a little recap on season two ladies zama down is at your service hold on let me drink this water get my british accent warm mm. <clears throat> following the success of daphne's engagement anthony pursues his own love match to fulfill his family's wishes plans change when a newcomer captures his heart only to be the elder sister to his future wife he is now torn between honoring his family and being with the woman of his dreams regency era is a really different because if i found the love of my life nothing would stand in my way <laughs> nothing um sorry to my mama the heart wants what it it wants what it wants obviously major spoilers ahead i couldn't talk about these two without delving into what happens so you know just just watch the show this is literally this is your hallmark pass this is your last chance to watch the show instead of listening to me you, you had your time okay great again i am super amped for this um i didn't like that all the focus of the season was kind of pushed onto this love triangle that was happening here or as others would say love threesome and i mean not that them sneaking around edwina was right i do acknowledge it was wrong but it was more than that if we like think about it like i don't want the relationship to be reduced to this thing that was happening in the shadows you know what i mean because it was real it was it was hectic you know kate was fully prepared to just give her sister and her mother this luxurious life in the town and then go home and potentially be very lonely and she was doing this because she was making sure that everyone around her is always happy and obviously when that happens you tend to lose that priority um with yourself you like lose that 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 goal with, within yourself and it it overall can lead to unhappiness and i think all of knowing all of that that's why i'm not all that mad about how this pair came together because at least they came together you know I, despite all the hatred but even the hatred wasn't really a hurdle a wise man once said that hate is not the opposite of love indifference is and i feel like that rings true especially with these two they're just two older siblings that are stubborn and hot-headed that wanted the same overall thing and wanted each other i'm happy to have Jui here because she understands that and she has many wonderful thoughts about these two so yeah very happy to have you here to speak to y'all speak to me um yeah i'm hoping she doesn't make her parents listen to this though i i like her parents and i enjoy being invited to their home and i feel like if they listen to this 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 would change their opinions of me so please jury jury don't tell your parents about this you know just or if you do make sure that they don't listen to it that's all i ask
without further ado, let's get to the hardest couple in stew. Here is Canthony. Zama, Zama, Zama. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm freezing my butt off at home. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay, no, same. It's <laughs> the winter's just, I don't enjoy this. It's not cool. It's not fun. It's not, it's not suitable for a girl like me. <laughs> Jewy, you are obviously here because you like this show enough, but I especially invited you here because you're a big fan of this show. So would you kindly tell the love home what you love so much about Bridgerton? And then I want to know, did you enjoy season two more than you enjoyed season one? So... The reason I love this show so much is, aside from the fact that it's set in the Regency era, is just that it's it doesn't follow what you would assume England in that era looked like. You know, mm. it's not all Caucasians. It's I just I love that it shows a very multiracial England in that time period where a lot of people can sort of in a way relate and fantasize about, you know, living in that era. I think, Mm. you know, it's a lot of people hated season one for that. They were like, oh, you know, why is Reggie in this? Um, He's not even white. And in that time, it was only white people. But I think when you look at it from being like a person of color, you just look at it and you're like, yes, this is what we need because you watch movies like Pride and the Prejudice set in that time where it's just a fully Caucasian cast. And it's great that this really separates itself from that. Um, Mm. You know, it takes a look at culture season two, like, blew my mind away. I was like not expecting a whole cultural thing from it as well. I was just like, wow. I think it really relates to people who sort of try to push away culture from who they are. And I like trying to come back into it and saying, well, look, I see myself and I feel represented. And that's the best thing about it. Um, and then as for your second question, <laughs> I think <laughs> I love them both equally, but for different reasons. You know, mm-hmm. season one was that fake dating trope. And then season two mm-hmm. was a good enemies to lovers. That I just... But I definitely say season one holds my heart more. Just because it was just wow. And in season one, when you look at Anthony Bridgerton, you're like, this motherfucker. <laughs> like... you're just like no get out of here with that and then in season two you're like okay maybe we can learn to love him but then you see him at the beginning still sleeping with sierra Mm -hmm. and i'm like no don't do that so (laughs) you know simon just he just no one can ever compare to him (laughs) Mm -hmm. valid absolutely valid 
this is actually a perfect segue into my second question because in as much as Daphne and Simon held our hearts, we are of course here to talk about the lovely and iconic Canthony. Um, the as you said, you made the comparison of um, Pride and Prejudice, and I really, I really felt that with these two, they they give us that classic Regency era hate us to lovers trope. That's but, just the hand movement thing that they do. Oh. That scene in Pride and the Prejudice where he lets go of her hand and then his hand just like flares out and then it happens here as well. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Look at that. I feel like the writers are on Twitter. You have to be on Twitter to understand how moving <laughs> that in that one moment was to like people that watched Pride and Prejudice. The, tw- the writers were definitely on Twitter that day when they decided to do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like this one's on that on that same path, but we we meet Kate and Anthony kind of on two conflicting mi- missions where Anthony just wants to get wet and bread and Kate just really wants to find a genuinely good person for her sister. And yeah, as we all know, Anthony had a bad first impression that first episode <laughs> and it makes Kate think you will never be good enough for my sister. So I wanted to ask, like, how do you feel more on how you feel about the haters to lovers trope, especially under this Regency era um, eye? And then also, do you think that Anthony did enough to, like, rectify his first impression? Because I have an unpopular opinion that that whole poetry reading thing wasn't enough for me. Okay. I have so many thoughts about that. Oh, wow, that poetry scene running through my mind. Um, Okay, your first question. I think that the enemies to lovers trope, I I think it really worked here because you really felt Kate's passion on how much she did not want this man to marry her sister. And in that same way, you feel bad for Edwina because you know that you know, Kate's trying to, like, guide her sister in the right direction. And mm-hmm. Anthony Bridgerton is sort of, in a way, doing it out of spite more than just doing it because he likes Edwina. He's doing it because mm-hmm. he's showing Kate that, well, I can because I'm a Viscount. And I think just that push between the two of them in that moment where, you know, where she's like, because you vex me. And then I'm just like, wow, I feel that. I'm just like, you know, like the Regency era language aside, I'm just like, girl, I I respect you for telling him that. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. it's just, (laughs) it's so weird because I think that if it was played out um, with, you know, with an enemy to love a scene where it's not her sister, I think I wouldn't have liked it as much as I did. Because you already see her trying to fulfill her duty to her family before she fulfills the duty to herself. And in that way, mm-hmm. I think it makes her so much more likable and it makes you mm-hmm. root for her to want love. But mm-hmm. ugh, I just, I think it fits, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, why are there DSC characters in it? And, you know, the book didn't even follow her, sir. Her name wasn't even Kate Sharma in the book or whatever. But I think it also shows something similar to a lot of other Netflix shows that are out at the moment that you can have 
they love interests that are not just two white people. You mm. know, where I do wish that they were like Anthony wasn't white. I think that would have been spectacular as well. But I I love that it shows that you can have this enemies to lovers trope where it's not just two white people like me watching 10 things I hate about you and just oh, loving that. But also realizing that now I can see myself as Kate Sharma in mm. some personality sort of way. If I don't even know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, it definitely um, does. Your second question about does he do enough? Absolutely not. Because what was that? How did Edwina look at him with these starry eyes after he read that poem Benedict wrote? And then he was actually like, you know what? I didn't really write this. And it's like, okay, so he's telling you he didn't write it. But why are you still looking at him like, yes, I still want to marry him, Didi. And I'm like, girl, no. If that was my sister, I would slap her into the next century. Like, absolutely not. That was the bare minimum. I do want to say in Edwina's defense that I don't know how old she is in comparison to Kate, but I think she's at least early 20s, maybe very late teens. I think teens. she's 21. Oh, okay, great. That's yeah. even perfect for my, for my defense. I think that when you're 21, I'm saying this as a person that's very close <laughs> to 21, you can be mystified by so many things in like men that you're attracted to and it's it's so sad like you'll look edwina will look back maybe in a few months maybe in 10 years she'll look back and she'll be like gag why did i even think (laughs) physical cringe (laughs) but it's i like i i I do like that i like that they showed that this stuff was kind of working on her because it makes sense if because she was in the dark It makes sense that, like, oh, this man is wooing me. Oh, my gosh. He's using honesty. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I think if somebody tried to read poetry to me, I would just be like, yes, okay. You can marry me now. It's fine. (laughs) But, you know, when you look at it from that outside perspective, even though Mm. we're close to that age, you're like, oh, Edwina. And I think it also makes us more aware of, there are people that do that and it's 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 so beyond wrong and it's like the bar is set so low and the i can't even remember the character that went before him the one that really liked edwina who read from the poetry that she liked as well and mm. just like he was right there this whole time <laughs> and we're looking at freaking anthony bridgerton no, I swear if they kept that the mutton, the mutton chops, he Oof. would not be getting with Edwina. Absolutely not. We must we must discuss. Um, a lot of people. I remember when the season started, a lot of people were like, "Oh my gosh, where was Anthony all along?" And I was like, "Guys, he's literally right there. It's just that he looked hideous." <laughs> they wow. They were like, "Okay, he is the star of season two. We need to give him a glow up." I'm just like, you could have kept him like that through season one. It's fine. We would have still all looked at Simon like drooling. It's fine. I was just like, did he look like that in season one? And then I went back to like watch like. Same. I just towards the end and I was like, no, this is not the same man. 
How can you make a white man look completely different? They all kind of look the same. (laughs) But he he really looked a full 360. I was like, wow, okay. Love his work. Perfect segue once again. Um, At the end of season one, it's established that our boy Anthony is a capital R rake. Um, for those of you not from the ton, that means he's a great a-ho. And granted, this this came from somebody that only sees him from the outside. As the viewers, we we knew what was really happening. We knew that he was proper, proper heartbroken over... Is her name Sierra? I even forgot her name. Yeah, her name is Sierra. Mm, so he's he's done in the dumps. We see we see how um that conflict of not being able to be with the one he loves, like we see how much that hurts him. And so when this second season started, I was reluctant to believe that Anthony would actually be able to even be in love again. And we see this hesitation in how he pursues Edwina strategically rather than emotionally even when you talk to his mom you can hear that he doesn't he doesn't want a repeat of the sierra situation and it takes the lovely force that is miss kate sharma to kind of shake him out of that what do you think is the difference between Anthony and his relationship with sierra i think his relationship with sierra I don't know if I would call that love per se Mm -hmm. because I was you know when you watch the beginning of season two it shows that he still sleeps with her because he keeps throwing those coins um in her little container thing that she has Mm -hmm. after she after they have sex so I'm still I still my mind the way I understood it was that he he didn't really love Sierra, but I think that she provided him with some sort of comfort that he knew he wouldn't be able to get from any other woman in the town at that time. Mm. Like you can't just court someone and then sleep with them. But mm. maybe in his own way, he did love her, but he didn't really know her as a person in comparison to with Kate, where he really got to know her know the family you know mm-hmm. understand why she's doing what she's doing they both have sort of a duty towards their family in a way and i mm-hmm. think it was through knowing her that that relationship looked more genuine and more realistic and that's why he was able to let his guard down with her at times mm-hmm. because he knew her like with sierra when he i think it was that time in season one where she was seeing someone else and he went to her door and he was like, please just take me back or whatever. And she said, you have to move on. And, you know, I think he found it hard to do that because that was all he knew was to be with someone like Sierra without having to go and actually dig deep into what a person is really like with mm-hmm. how he was with Edwina and all those other women where he like interviewed them. How many children do you want? Um, what do you yeah. do if your daughter has a spending issue? Not really sitting down and getting to know them. And I think it's that whole coincidence that it just happened with Kate, but that it was able to develop into something more. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I didn't even 
but the Sierra thing, I thought that okay, dude, I understand like you hung up on this girl, but it feel it felt very much first love situation and for a lot of people no one really like keeps their first love sometimes they're just there to like teach you this lesson and like she said you have to just move on Mm -hmm. and I'm worried that if Kate didn't show up he really was just going to spend the entire season moping around over something that is literally dead oh no definitely I think if Kate wasn't there and he had just married Edwina he would have fulfilled his duty to his family by, you know, having children with Edwina and taking care of her. But I think that he would have still tried to keep going back to Sierra. Mm-hmm. Sad, sad man. Thank goodness for Kate. <laughs> um, one of the highlights of this pair's journey to love is the that very big um dinner with the Sheffields when and they they, when they out Kate and her whole plan, they, 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 yeah, they do it with the intention to kind of ruin her life or whatever. But yeah. it turns on them because Anthony stands up for, for the entire family. And from the outside, it seems like, oh, this is for Edwina, like he's defending her honor. But he literally, I, I remember... They talk shit, they talk shit, they talk shit, and they get to talking about Kate, and he stood up. He was like, I'm not going to stand for this. He gets so heated when they start talking about Kate. And guys, oof, I can't I can't even begin to explain why that speech was so hot. It is second only to the infamous, and it is not far enough, speech. Those are the top two. <laughs> because there's absolutely nothing hotter than being protected but not like the way that feminism leaving my body in that moment it's just (laughs) gone (laughs) yes because i was like oh my god protect me (laughs) i I think yeah sorry i said i was like oh no thank you i can't do that for myself but please go ahead go please go for I think when men think of themselves as like protectors, they meet it in such a very aggressive and almost possessive way. But here in this speech, and it's like a constant theme throughout, Anthony is always ready to protect Kate just from like harm. Forget other men and all that stuff, jealousy and all that aside, his main provocative is trying to like protect her from harm. Was it refreshing to see a male romantic lead, especially in a period drama, be positively pr- protective? And did this make it hurt more when Edwina was the one who caught them out? <laughs> no. We got to talk about the Benzo scene. Um, I think it was nice to see him protecting her. I mean... Like I said, feminism leaving my body in that moment, just out of there. It's it's great to see that because, you know, when you watch, and I hate to use this as my example, but something like Iron Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where Tony is saving Pepper, right? And you're just like, okay, mm, it's happened like <clears throat> a couple times now. Just get on with it. And you're kind of like, 
in that moment you're like okay she can kind of do it herself but in this sort of like era and this sort of mindset that i'm watching the show with i'm just like yes this is what i want to see because you know it's sort of a thing where you're not supposed to show emotion for any of these women yet until it's mm-hmm. completely confirmed that you're going to marry them or anything like that and it's nice to see that you know he takes that initiative and that you know mm. when the Sheffields were like just talking shit he was like okay you know what that is enough please leave and mm. I'm just like woo, that's he dragged them he was just like and I I love that he defended not only Kate's honor but her whole family mm. I'm just like wow that was it's great because do guys do that these days I don't think they do Girl, guys don't even want to tell their moms to be nice back to us. Yes. Um, But it it does make me feel bad for Edwina because, you know, she, from her perspective, every time Anthony was doing something, you know, standing up for Kate or protecting or helping her in any way, in Mm. her mind, it was... You know, okay, my my sister and my future husband are getting along and it's going to make things better for me. And I feel bad that she was blinded by everything because these are just two people that didn't want to, you know, tell the truth about their relationship. Like you said, um, the and it is not far enough. That, Mm. wow. I was Mm. I, I just watched that and I'm just like, that's not even me, but I'm blushing. And <laughs> I feel bad for Edwina because he knew at that moment that he loved Kate, but he still continued on this journey with Edwina. And, you know, all this time where he's like, yes, I'm getting along with your sister. Yes, I am trying to protect her, take her hunting with us, to have a conversation with her. To Edwina, it seemed as though okay they're getting along but Mm. you know it was their side their side relationship happening and (laughs) in some ways I'm like I'm glad that he stood up for her because it's not something you see very often in any sort of tv show especially Regency era where it's all very hushed and on the other hand I feel bad because you know that it's like casting a blind eye over Edwina and her emotions. Mm. Yeah. It it hurt me so much. And I remember a large part of the internet were coming from my girl Kate. Like, uh, well, a lot has been said about Miss Sharma. Like from the actual show to the internet, there's there's been a lot of talk about her. She's oh, yeah. this bold, independent woman. Um, some people see her as like this backstabber because of the Edwina thing. But I like her because it feels like Kate is a huge shift from what Daphne Bridgerton was as like the leading lady, especially in a show like this. But even though she was all of those things, she gets to be vulnerable and she gets to be desired and she gets to be a proper big sister in, in as much as this was betrayal she at the heart of all of this she always just wanted to be a good big sister and Cantony 
as we know it, oh my goodness, <laughs> sorry, Cantony as we know it um, takes a long time to happen all because of like that, that need to serve her family, that duty to her family. And good, hey, like that's great. But I also enjoy that the show makes it not everything around Anthony and Edwina. Like Kate is her own person. She's got a lot of things going on besides the two of them. And I think that also positively adds to her representation. So I wanted to know, like, how do you feel about Kate's overall portrayal in this show and then like also in this relationship that happens? And what are your hopes for her now that she is um, the Viscount S. Bridgerton? Um, so I think her portrayal, I think it was done really well. You know, when we look at, like you said, com- in comparison to Daphne, you don't really see a lot of depth. I don't want to say depth, right? But that is the best way I can put it. From from Daphne's character development. You know, mm. um, for her, she was the eldest daughter for her, for her mom, who is now going to come out into society. And she had this duty. And that was it. That was all we knew. And I feel like we learned more about Simon in season one than we did about Daphne and what she felt and how she wanted to express herself in comparison to Kate who outside of this relationship with Anthony and her duty to her family you know we see her struggle with trying to be part of the Sharma family Mm. you know knowing that Mary is not her actual mom and still Mm. trying to you know, um, take on that leadership role in the family. You know, we see, Mm. you know, there's that part where she talks to, I think she was talking to Lady Danbury about everything that she did for her sister um, after her father died. And, you know, Mm. it really takes, it really makes you look at her and see, you know, she's gone through so much. And even though she has all of these emotions, she's still putting family and duty first and it makes you feel bad for her not as bad as you feel for Edwina in that wedding Mm -hmm. scene but you know you still (laughs) feel bad you still feel bad and you understand why she does what she does and Mm -hmm. I think she also adds to Anthony's character because it forces him to bring out memories like of his father and who he was when his dad was still alive in comparison to being stone cold um i think her character development helped other characters to develop um Mm. who they were and i think that's a great thing that we see Mm. and her future as the viscountess i Um, i personally i want them to have children i want her to like be hanging out with mama bridgerton i want her to redecorate that house like i want her to put her foot in that family. <laughs> yes, definitely. I I think her future as Viscountess, I want her to, like you said, literally make a mark in that family. I think also bringing culture into that family because, you know, we don't see a lot of, like in season one, we don't see a lot of Simon's background. We know um, that his parents were black, but we don't really know much about you know, what was their culture? Where did they 
come from? You know, what sort of mm-hmm. background did he have? And that was obviously because of the way his father treated him and him obviously resorting to living with Lady Danbury. But I'm hoping mm-hmm. going forward, like with the season, like we saw like a glimpse of culture. They did the ha- they did the Hardy ceremony. They played the Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum instrumental, which never in my life did I think I would which want to play at my wedding. But now like maybe I want that to play at my wedding one day. And I've never been <laughs> on violin. Yeah, I'm just like, wow, that's deep. So <laughs> I really want to see her bring culture, you know, maybe um, show like Eloise there are more ways to dress than just in like a dress because I can tell that she hates that. And, you know, introducing the the children to more than pianoforte. And it's, yeah, it's just bringing more culture into it because I think that's something that season one lacked coming into season two. It was mm. so very white, season one. It was. Mm. It and ultimately is. It, I mean, there was, like, we had a leading black male, but there was, there was nothing really to show heritage-wise or, you know, and I think that's something that, they could work on going forward even if they bring Simon back or even if they don't if they just keep showing Augie the son you know at least mention mm. things that are cultural or whatever it might be to link him to his father the same way I'd want them to link Kate as being the new Viscountess to like her children mm. yeah that's also something. they could they could even reach for Lady Danbury and the Queen because I remember in the first season they explained the reason why you see so many people of color in the town is once the Queen was inaugurated, inaugurated? I don't know what the word is anymore. <laughs> but once her reign started, they she kind of opened the floodgates. So they well, granted, they're doing a prequel series, so maybe they'll do it then on on her. I don't know. Yes, I'd hope so. Just to show like you know, culture-wise, mm. everyone's families beforehand so that you mm. kind of know where the families are going. Because if you if you don't bring culture into it, you're just keeping it as a white family who have bits and pieces of color in between. Mm-hmm. With no, you know, you're keeping it very European then rather mm. than showing, okay, yeah, you know, the family comes from you know, wherever it might be, you know, wherever, I think they said Kate's family lived in Mumbai. Can't remember now mm. what it was. But, you know, then bringing a piece of that culture into the season and showing, yeah, okay, it's more than just the story about this white family and their children being married off. Mm. Yeah. Well, Hansraj, thank you so much being here um thank you for answering these lovely questions and thank you for being the fangirl that you are because i really (laughs) couldn't have had anyone else here oh thank you for having me on when you said you were doing an episode on this i was like yes there is so (laughs) much here that and people didn't like this season i was very surprised i spoke to colleagues at work i can't believe i say work now but <laughs> and then they were like, it, it was like people who 
were in their 30s and they were like, oh yeah, no, we didn't really like the season. And I'm like, maybe it's just a Gen Z millennial <clears throat> thing that we love the season because it was a good, like, enemies to love. It was <laughs> I was like, maybe people over the age of 35 don't get it because yikes they were like not happy and i was like i love the season so much and i was like zama's doing an episode i'm so happy i get to share this with someone <laughs> always always happy to be the person that wants always happy to have people like you that are ready to have these conversations with me oh thank you and i will be sending you so many more tiktoks after this because <laughs> you got me back into season two again and I- <laughs> before we go my favorite trend was when everyone was recreating the and it is not far enough speech and doing i love that the dramatic just ah it was so the dramatic reading it was just yeah wow everyone's interpretation of that i loved but anthony's Mm. one you know that one netflix posted where um it's as if he's talking to you oh my gosh yes i died I I literally died. So I'm, I was like gone up to heaven and I came back and I was like, wow. <laughs> I remember my heart started beating and I was like, he's not even here. Really? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, wait a minute. This man is not even real. He's not even in my life. But you're, they really capitalized on this white man this season. Kudos to Netflix. Thank you so much for this. <laughs> Kudos to Netflix. Thank you, friend. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Tis the time for likes and dislikes. Yeah. So many thoughts. Uh, So little time. Let's punch through this thing. Likes. I really loved how grand this show is obviously they're representing a time before we all collectively knew about doing too much but the production team decided to kind of amp it up in many aspects every ballroom scene is literally a hundred moving people working in these beautifully designed and elaborate sets to add to and create this fantasy we get this extraness with their clothes we get this extraness with the queen's hair which i feel like adds to her character's flair for the dramatic and her authority and i just i love that i love that for golda i love that for us as viewers we also get this big mystery with the lady sultan thing and kind of we and especially in this season they focus on the lengths Penelope is willing to go to to protect her identity and her platform and I just in as much as like historians will probably watch this and be like this is not how anything happened I don't care lady I like this because it's dramatic it's wonderful it's it's bold and it's beautiful excuse the pun and I feel like I needed this for period shows or even movies because it's it's already very difficult for modern audiences to hold on to these 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 productions certainly it's time so why not just you know spice it up just the the 
brandness of the show feels like black pepper in an overall dish. I hope, I hope that makes sense. I really liked the Bridgertons. You know, good family, lovely group of people. I mean, not always, but they're, they're a good bunch of people. They're also just massive clowns most of the time. There's obviously the hierarchy that did in the siblings that dictates duties and privileges and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I feel like everyone is still a sibling. You know what I mean? They have that normal sibling mocking and bickering while still being very protective over one another. And I think that's very pleasant and refreshing to see. Even with the interpersonal relationships on here that the Bridgertons have with everyone else like they're they're quite great Lady Bridgerton and Lady Danbury they feel like the best gal pals to have especially in the town because they'll give you solid solid advice good advice but also they'll get you into some shady business you know put you put you on to things and yeah I I I, I like the realism there i like the the comfort that that brings to both the characters and the audience watching with each season they kind of build on those interpersonal relationships within the family and outside and i hope it just gets better and better from here i like the grand speeches as i said my writing hero shonda rhymes she is known for her shows delivering these monumental monologues that are etched into the memories of fans long after they finish the show. There are countless examples from Olivia Pope and Annalise Keating. You say the first line and there's somebody out there that can like just keep it going because everyone felt that impact, everyone felt felt that moment. I refuse to watch Grey's Anatomy, so I can't really reference them in terms of the thing, but I know that they have them, right? Because it's a Shondaland thing. On this show, they tend to give that energy, that monumental monologue energy, to the male leads, especially when they're professing their love. Back in season two, the Duke had the world crumbling when he said, I burn for you, you know? And I get it. It's completely understandable it melted my pants off it was a very good speech they came back hard with anthony though um those words plus that delivery in that speech i'd marry him <laughs> you know i would i wouldn't think twice and i think that's the beauty of period dramas that kind of um jane austen style vulnerability we get when these men are saying the stuff like this very it's it's like written for us to as women to hear because this is this is what we want to hear and it's magic i appreciate it i like it i want it to continue oh which adds to this this is a very small like but i i have to mention it i liked how Kate and Anthony acted with their eyes a lot. There's a part during the the dinner dinner with the Sheffields where Anthony is literally gawking 
at Kate from the head of the table and from his eyes alone, I could hear him pining. I think that's why it was so easy for Daphne and Lady Danbury to just um, catch them out because they they couldn't ignore what was going on even though no words were being shared. And I think when you're secretly pining for someone, you kind of have to rely on body language. And these two, they just, they had it in bucket loads. I, I always believed them before they said anything because I could see it. You know what I mean? Dislikes. I understand that this is a series of books. So everyone in this ensemble cast will get their time in the limelight one way or another cool however i don't like how side characters stories are treated while they're in the wings let me explain i'd imagine that while people wait for their moment you know we see their character develop over time so that by the time their main season comes we understand who they are and why they endure the things that the way that they do because obviously conflicts are going to come with their season season one anthony gives you one eighth of what we see with season two anthony and that's a good build-up because that's like a it gives us a chance to really like him before we understand him for everyone else especially in the season i i feel like it's taking a minute to be really take off for me with the side characters they have a good 50 minutes in each episode to build up people and then they have an entire season to do this as well but it's it's not really working for me or it's not it's not effective enough for me like now we're meant to be moving towards in the following season they said we're going to be focusing on um penelope and colin and i'm really excited but my reasons for my excitement have nothing to do with Colin because I, I don't know. It, it's because it's, they haven't done enough to reveal him as Colin to us. And I feel like the same with Benedict, but I know that their seasons are coming. So it's kind of like, well, give me something. I'm, I'm hopeful that it will get better. You know, I believe that all good work takes time. But they really need to work on that run-up better. Uh, I hate to say this, especially about a period drama, but I feel like they should look to Marvel. You know, we meet characters as an Easter egg in one movie, and they grow with us throughout the next five, and it never gets boring or tiring or annoying. Which brings me to dislike number two. I don't like how some characters faded into thin air once some other characters left. For example, Simon's bestie boxer, Will. He has a huge life development between season one and two. He quits boxing to pursue um, his goal to be a businessman, to be a business owner. And he does that, which I'm glad. I'm glad that they're following through with this and it didn't just stop. But now it felt like, oh, because his bestie is gone, he would pop up push the plot along with the Lord Featherington thing and then he just dip. Nothing more, nothing less. That's Will literally just floated in the story. And that became his cycle throughout the 
season two. And I know that his crowning glory on the show is meant to be exposing the American as a fraud. But it's set up like Colin is the one that like strikes the final blow. And I know Will isn't the only victim of this treatment. I feel like Madame Delacroix, they used her more, but it's kind of, it's hanging in the air. They're not explaining why she's not really French. Like, you know, it's things like that that they could have expanded upon while we're waiting for these people to get their time in the light. Again, maybe what I need to do is give them time to improve, but it would be very dishonest of me if I acted like it didn't bother me. My last dislike is a borrowed dislike that I didn't really think about until it was far too late. After the season aired, um, What's IGN Crushing On hosted a roundtable to discuss the show with viewers and some viewers who had read the books to get like differing opinions. Yeah, by the way, actually, you should go check out that episode. It was very lovely. It was very nice for anyone that's a huge fan of the season like I was. Someone pointed out in that episode that although we love the representation and the racial harmony fantasy that this series portrays we love it we like it it's a little weird not even a little it's weird to pretend england wasn't literally waist deep in colonizing india around this era like when the shatamas arrive and and they explain where they came from Everyone kind of met them with like this happiness or kind of like this, oh, India, lovely place. Like the Englishmen that would speak to, to Kate or Edwina, they'd be like bragging about their trips to India. And then in my mind, I kind of go, what were you doing there during the 1800s? White man? Hmm? And I don't know if this is, if this was fixable. I just, I wish they'd just said that the Sharmas came from anywhere else or like came from a different town anywhere else would have been better than kind of lying not lying but i get that the they they don't have racism you know racial harmony in this fantasy and that's great but if you're gonna disguise racism this this doesn't help you know we we, we know the truth and we know this show isn't real. So you're ruining the fantasy. Like you're, you're cutting into the fourth wall. They should have gone all the way and said, actually, England failed to colonize us. So we've been a thriving society allowed to follow our own traditions and ambitions. You know, if life is a movie, keep that motherfucker rolling. show i i could scream right now but i won't because it's very early morning and that's rude but i could scream because oh my god i didn't think we'd make it i i really did not i didn't trust myself i didn't trust the forces of the universe but we're here and we're queer and we're so relieved shout out to the lovers for holding on for this long um i think it's only right we give y'all a sensational wonderful last who's your fave battle for the season and that's what i'm gonna give this is the passionate edition you know because passion in this corner 
Peter, straight from the Hastings estate. It is Daphne and Simon from season one of Bridgerton. Versus the biggest affair out of the White House. It's Olivia and Fitz from Scandal. Normally, to be an impartial figure, I do not vocalize my choices because, you know, love a fair fight, love a death democratic election however if i'm talking about passion i cannot ignore fits i I cannot ignore fits i know olivia loves him back with the same intensity but fits just embodies that passion i i believe him he doesn't even really need a monologue he looks at olivia like He's thinking of the most R-rated smut in the world. And that's enough. That's enough verbal passion right there. My bias aside, I want you, lovers, to voice your opinions. You know, did I get this matchup right? Are there counter-arguments to my view? You know, make yourselves heard. You know, you can vote on our Twitter poll at StarringCupid or Instagram poll at SummerTishes. And let us know how you feel. At us, DM us, all the possible ways to be reached on the internet. We will listen. That's all I have for you lovely people today. Um, another massive thank you to Joey for being my guest today. That was lots of fun. Um, <laughs> lots of, lots of laughs. I'm sorry that I made you promise not to tell anyone when I know you wanted to tell everyone. But now you can tell them that you did it and it was great and you were lovely. So yeah, thank you lovers for sticking through season five with us like y'all y'all made sure i knew that y'all were listening and that was really great through all the chaos of shooting this y'all were always there and yeah i just i'm so tired like i said but i'm so happy that we're here and now that we're at the end i can reveal that the reason why it felt like every week was just utter chaos for me is because i was kind of in the final stretch of my school career i feel like it's still way too soon to like really jump up and down and celebrate but you know i'm 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 on pause right now so i'm really taking this time to just relax a lot of relaxing is happening um right now i think my first real day off i slept for like 10 hours and that's when i knew like I'm I'm sitting in this in this comfort in this rest in this relaxation. So yeah, if you hear nothing else today from this episode, then I really want to stress that everyone in the middle of something difficult or emotionally taxing, I want you to know that there is a day where you will be done. You don't have to think about the future beyond that just always keep in mind that there is a day where you will be done and you will rest you will rest so hard your spine will bind with the mattress and it won't matter because you were tired i was tired and now i'm resting and that's that's a lovely blessing 
I will, of course, never tire of this show. I am just going to take a little break, a little vacation, just until I feel like my life is up and running again. So I cannot tell you when we shall return for season six. But like dead Loki in every Thor movie, I shall return. I adore each and every one of you so very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a lovely rest of Pride Month to all my LGBTQIA plus listeners. Stay loud and proud. Bye.